Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. Each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment and HR tech. That's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. This is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today, we have Rachel on from Setuply. And we'll be learning about the business case, the use case for her company. Rachel, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and uh, tell us what Setuply does? Sure. My name is Rachel Lubavitsky. I'm the CEO of Setuply. Setuply is a client onboarding automation platform that helps to make onboarding more pleasant, both for solution providers and for clients who are getting onboarded. So... Onboarding in this sense is onboarding to software or onboarding to uh, a company? Onboarding, well, I could look at it, I guess, from both standpoints, on <laughs> predominantly onto software. Right. If uh, hypothetically a company decided to up-level their HCM offering, so it's uh, getting up and running on the new um, HCM uh, provider software. I love this because it drives adoption. So let's just uh, let's just take it. How did you come up with this idea? How did this come about? Well, my my partners and I are serial entrepreneurs. So when we're looking about uh, for the next great thing to build, we kind of looked around and said, uh, "Okay, let's see what hasn't been solved in the B two B space because that's where we love to be. A lot of really fun fun projects." And one area that stood out to us is client onboarding. Uh, we probably asked around maybe 200, 300 different solution providers and learned that 90% of them are um, using spreadsheets, uh, OneNotes, or various other uh, manual, uh, semi-manual means to get the job done. Uh, so if you really think about it, uh, there are tools for sales uh, folks out there like Salesforce. There are tools for marketing folks like HubSpot. And there is really, really next to nothing for the client onboarding reps. So, so that's... So, and, and who do you work with? Who's What's the type of companies that are partners? Types of companies that I feel we can make the most impact for are... Um, companies that have long and painful and data-driven client onboarding process. So th that would be companies in the human capital management space, as I mentioned. Um, if you're migrating somebody to a new HCM solution, there's historical data to be migrated, their employee data, their positions, uh, prior payrolls and whatnot. So long and painful onboarding. So that's human capital management. Um, it's enterprise resource planning, so ERP, if somebody's migrating from one ERP to another, from kind of an in-house system to a proper modern uh, software solution, that's ERP, uh, fintech, banking back office, insurtech, and basically other B2B markets where onboarding is uh, anything that takes maybe more than a couple of months and there might be heavy amount of data involved. And, and uh, are you always involved in kind of a switch? So let's say in the HCM space, uh, if they're moving from a kind of a core payroll like ADP and they're moving to something else like Ceridian or Ceridian to ADP, are you working in between a switch or can you work with somebody that's brand new? 
So our licensees, companies, uh, our clients mm-hmm. are uh, human capital management uh, solution providers. So that could right. be ADP, that could be Ceridian. Um, and sometimes it could be companies that work with these types of entities to help onboard their customers. So outsourced onboarding shops that um, help onboard customers for the uh, technology companies in that sector. So those yeah. are our customers and they use our software to help uh, make onboarding easier for their clients. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. And who pays? Do they pay the, does the, uh, at the at that point, like does an ADP or Ceridian, do they pay or does the end client play? Uh, so the, uh, the uh, customer who right. is using the software to get the job done, so ADP, uh, Ceridian, they pay. And it is free for clients. This is simply uh, sort of a, yeah. Stop to to help facilitate the transition from the sales organization to ultimately the uh, system of their choosing. This is where they can talk, uh, work on the knowledge transfer, learn the software, uh, transfer the information, answer questions. So this is a transitional phase before they're able to start enjoying their new product. I love it. So um, is there any instances where you would be direct with a client or do you feel like you're always, you always go through a client partner? So direct, I guess, in our, uh, in our world would be the technology, the solution provider. Um, And then we might get involved uh, with their customer. Right. Only if there is a case to be made that our solution addresses their needs as well. So those customers could be in one fantastic case uh, is medical software. So to get medical software into a hospital could take up to a few years. So this is another area where we could be helpful. Right. I see. So, so I, I mean, I totally under, uh, I like it. Uh, and, and again, I think it drives adoption too, which is great, especially when you're bringing in new software, getting people to understand kind of, okay, what, what did you just buy the value of what you just bought? And in your case, you're taking that uh, in a lot of cases, that historical data and helping them bring that historical, wherever that historical data might've been from and bring into a kind of modern software. So I love that. What are uh, what are some of the what are the some of the things that people can uh, when they think of it because they might not have like it's like when you looked around at the market you said hey there's not a lot that's going on in the client onboarding space have have uh, have you had a great reception so far with the the people that are your clients uh, the system integrators or even the uh, the software providers themselves have you had a great reception with them. The ADPs well, and Sorians of the world. Absolutely, this is something that uh, is, is is a subject for much frustration. Specifically, if you kind of look at the HCM area this time of the year, uh, you know this is the peak time. Everybody is running around trying to get their one one implemented. I mean, the companies that are getting up and running uh, and are expecting to do their first payrolls at the beginning of the year. It's a very busy time for them, uh, and so they're very receptive was the idea to make this a more predictable, scalable process uh, with less of their time spent uh, kind of reminding their customers, hey, I need you to send me your roster. Hey, can you please uh, send me a list of your positions? Hey, can you send me your accrual rules and things like that? Uh, the system will take care of staying on top of those customers to help get get that data uh, 
safely retrieved and positioned and stored in one place. And so these uh, solution providers, the onboarding reps, uh, can move on and focus on other things like uh, helping their customers with change management, helping their customers with training on the new product. Although nitty gritty, the details are taken care of by the system. Yeah, I love that because it lets it lets them kind of focus. You know, at one point, I'm sure the audience is thinking to themselves, well, why doesn't, why don't some of these larger HCM players, why don't they just build this themselves? And it's like, well, you know, maybe. But the thing is, is there's a lot of the minutia that can be easily outsourced. And that's some of the some of the things you're talking about. It's like, yeah, we take over that layer. Let us just do that and do that well so that you can focus on other things. That makes total sense. This is a little bit of a shoe, uh, shoemaker's paradox, right? Right, right. Uh, so a lot of these HCM providers and other B2B tech providers, their first imperative is to really deliver the best of the breed product for their customers, the best of breed, of breed ERP, best of breed HCM. So you really, when you're deciding where to allocate your resources, you really want to direct them, most of them toward, towards, uh, you know, your primary business. And so not a lot is left towards kind of ancillary activities, which is the reason why these providers don't build their own sales CRM, their own marketing uh, engine, and unfortunately use kind of an outdated uh, means to to get the onboarding done. Uh, they, They simply, you know, prioritize their core product, which totally makes sense. Yeah. No, and I mean, when you think about it like that, they should be doing, they should be building out more of their roadmap and not doing this because you're building out something that's far more sophisticated and will be continued to be more sophisticated. We didn't talk about kind of the, the big three with SAP, Oracle, and Workday. Do we uh, do we currently do work with, with them or is that on the roadmap? Um, we are able to exchange um, data with just about any HCM provider. Right. Uh, so so this is very, very helpful when you want to avoid kind of manual data entry or oh, yet another thing of the past. Oh, yeah. Uh, so being able to exchange data easily, uh, validate, make sure that it is transformed to the correct format, that it is uh, safely protected in transit. So definitely. So you don't have to be an official partner of anybody per se. I mean, I'm sure you you are in some cases, but you don't have to be. Uh, you can get data uh, again if it's, it's if it's coming out of a system or going into a system. You can do that without being a, kind of an quote unquote official partner or having a partnership with anybody. UKG. Uh, any anybody anybody that we've talked about. You don't have to be an official partner. Well, as long as there is a formal, everybody obviously has to protect their data, their their customers' data. So when there are published APIs and formal process to gain access to specific data on clients' behalf, so you have to follow through all these formal, through all these processes. Although when there is a partnership in place, you're able to kind of experiment and do some interesting things uh, together to maybe bring in a third-party provider and enrich the data that is going on to the third party or or that hcm partner so you you could you could uh in a, in a closer relationship you, you can accomplish more uh with taking a little bit of, of a deeper approach in how you exchange information between the two entities on behalf of a shared client tell me more about that uh, data enrichment because 
I've had the experience that a, a lot of uh, a lot of HR and a lot of TA they don't trust the data that they have. They sit on a lot of data, have a lot of data, always have, but they don't trust the data. Uh, maybe it's because it's not trustworthy. <laughs> uh, maybe it's maybe it's because some of it is they just uh, have the perception that their their data isn't uh, as great as it should be. So when you said enrichment, it just kind of triggered something for me. Tell me in the in the cases where you can do that, what does that look like for uh, for a client? Well, uh, outside of HR data, which is a whole other special case, I'll give you one good tangible example. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, client onboarding is a significant portion of a solution provider's PL. And when you ask a question, well, you know, you guys charge setup fees? Yes, we do. How much do those setup fees cover the cost right. of your onboarding? Very few companies can answer that question. And yet, in larger sense, when you're doing financial reporting and you want to be very granular, it's kind of useful information to know. So by being able to granulate as you're onboarding customers, how long does the task take? How long does the task cost based on who is working on it? Do you have a domain expert or you have a regular onboarding rep, you have a tax benefit advisor or somebody. So being able to granulate on the task level and then raise it up on the project level that you're working on a client. You can get to the point where you're able to say that, hey, to onboard this customer, this is precisely how much it cost me. So you can then have more accurate read on the general contract value of this new relationship, and you can drive better decisions as to, hey, these these guys, this particular vertical, let's just say, uh, no, I'm kidding about uh, municipalities, but let's just say municipalities are a fantastic, fantastic client was the lowest onboarding cost possible. Hey, that gives you a good read to the, to the sales and marketing organization that, hey, these guys are probably easy and inexpensive to onboard. Let's bring in more of them, right? Let's focus on that vertical. And then, so that's from the sales uh, directive that you're able to get from kind of a richer, deeper insight into your onboarding costs. And then passing it on to finance folks who love, love, love their numbers, you can get beyond, okay, just basic figures. Hey, we have 20, 30, 50, 100 employees doing onboardings. This is their salaries. This is what we collected. That's a very brute force and very, very, very generalized approach to figuring out how much onboarding costs. And so being able to granulate on the projects, on the products, on the clients, on the verticals, gives obviously finance folks wonderful peace of mind that this right. is where they are, perhaps a directive that, hey, maybe we should increase our setup costs. Maybe there are areas that we have to focus on. Uh, maybe there's some efficiencies of scale in improving our onboarding process so that it's a little bit faster. It's very useful uh, data points for finance folks and uh, your operating staff in general. Right. So that's on, you know, getting a little bit richer, deeper into the data. Well, and it gives them... Uh... Not only that's the uh, safety, the security of mindset of what's what's going on, but also helps improve up the business case. So the ROI for the software that they're buying, uh, the okay. faster the faster those folks get set up and comfortable with software, the faster everyone kind of gets to the value of software. Absolutely, yeah. If you get into that area, exactly. Uh, customers make their buying decision for a reason. They're looking for 
better better employee experience they're they're looking for more more compliant solutions richer feature set and so they can't usually when 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 they're when they're closing that deal when they're about to start with the new uh, HCM provider they can't wait to get started you know you got a little bit of this instant gratification feel like hey I want it right now and so by providing the means necessary to help drive that value faster by again using the proper tools for client onboarding you're able to satisfy that need uh, and and make customers happier faster I love happier it. yeah. So tell me about like system integrators and consulting firms. Uh, I was at Serian Insights in October, and on one day I got the podcast with a bunch of uh, of, of a lot of their partners, which happen to be uh, system integrators and consulting firms, and uh, a lot of fascinating work that they're doing. Um, do you get do you get to kind of interact with the EYs and Deloitte's and you know uh, all of those folks? Do you get to interact with them at all? Uh, yet, we are actually working. Deloitte, actually, we, hey folks, we we had a conversation, uh, actually last week, but on the uh, subject of um, consulting organizations and implementation organizations that provide that are the service providers for that space, absolutely, these guys have a little bit different business model as opposed to technology providers like the aforementioned, the Workdays, the ADPs, Ceridians, their monetization window is usually only during the time that the service is provided, right? right? When, when right. they're onboarded. So they have a much bigger incentive to figure out what is the best thing they can do in terms of the process, product, technology to uh, have the best, realize the best margins to have the most efficient process during that time. Because a minute of delay, project getting out of scope, out of oh, timeline, yeah. out oh, of yeah. budget, the impact for them, they may never become profitable on that particular implementation because they never get the recurring revenue. Do you think that there's a model for them going forward of, uh, of data as a service? Probably. Um, I mean, conceptually, yeah. when in the consulting world the companies that are advising technology providers on improving their overall efficiencies improving their margins improving capacity of their teams that's another topic we didn't talk about how right. difficult it is especially in the complex b2b markets to hire train and retain uh skill you know skillful knowledge workers uh, these consulting organizations that are helping technology providers with their visions and their roadmaps, this is something that is super helpful to have actual quantifiable data points that, hey, if you're able to migrate to an automated solution, that could improve your team's capacity by 25%. That could reduce your uh, onboarding time span by 30%. And at you know the higher up you go in terms of the volume that these technology providers have to handle the bigger the impact yeah i can see you know uh, i mean i hope i'm sure they can see this too it's it's on the on the front end it's setting up the data and making sure the setup uh goes extremely well for all parties involved got it but then there's kind of not just the maintenance of said data it's the making sense of data that I think, uh, again, someone needs to do that. 
maybe maybe that's the sort maybe that's Ceridian's job, and we'll just use Ceridian as a as a as an example in this case. Maybe that's Ceridian's job is to make sense of the data, or maybe that's Deloitte's job is to make sense of the data. But someone's going to need to make sense of the data for the end user, uh, because they're not. You know, even even with the most intuitive software, they're still going to need someone to help them at least for the next couple of years to make sense of what data they have, what they don't have, what the data is saying, you know, trending, forecasting, all of that stuff. Some somebody's going to have to make sense of it, don't, don't you think? Or am I reading reading too much into this? Oh, yeah. oh no! Yeah. I totally uh, am on the same page with you. Uh, in order to start really optimizing the process, understanding right. where your bottlenecks are, you need to measure what's happening. Right. So your backlog. How long is your backlog? Backlog is the time between. Hey, you close the deal, but guess what? You're gonna have to wait for nine months before I have reps available to onboard you. So that time is the backlog, and during that time, the client is free to leave. You know, if the if somebody mm -hmm. makes a more compelling offering. Um, so starting to track the baselines. At the very least, if you don't do anything else uh, technologically or process-wise, establish your baselines, the backlog, the project time span, how many onboard, how many clients can a single onboarding rep handle. Once you have that in place, then you can start working with it and figuring out, okay, why is the backlog so long? Well, because maybe I don't have enough team members staffed. Well, what do I do about it? How do I find new ones? How do I incentivize the ones that are working uh, to... to how can I make a help create a more satisfying work environment for them? Yeah, you bring up a really fascinating point. Um, we've all been through kind of uh, implementations that take, I used to say this years ago <laughs> when I would, you know, do speeches and, and uh, around implementations and around user adoption in particular, I'd, I'd do this bit. I'd say, listen, I can, I can make every single one of you in the audience fall down on the ground and start sucking on your thumb. And all I have to do is saying one word, and you know, people are, you know, it's always it's a bit right. So I'd say implementation, because at that time, everybody had been through an just a, an implementation that went sideways, everyone. And if you've been, if you were lived in HR or talent acquisition, if you lived there, you've been through an implementation. It's been sideways, but I've seen kind of uh, in, in more recent years. Firms moving to a model where they don't try to implement the full solution. It's more of a um, let's get you into kind of the it's almost like a, a iceberg uh, approach. Let's get you into a piece of the of the of the solution that's above the waterline, but let's do that quicker. So instead of doing, let's say we'll do a work day just for fun for this one. Uh, instead of doing um, a nine month implementation where you, we take you on and we implement all of the pieces that you, you've bought for work day, let's get you into just core HR and do that. We could do that in 30 days. And so it's, it's a piece and they stand that up faster and then they move around to the other pieces. I'm sure you've, you've seen this. What do you, what do you think of that model? Uh, and it like the standing up someone faster in one part of the solution and then kind of moving your way around to the, everything else that they bought. I love it. I think it it plays to our basic human nature, the change management that mm -hmm. to to when the change is made more gradual gradual gradually, you are able to 
you know, engage with it a little more, understand how it fits into your lifestyle, into your workday, and um, get into it with a a lot more deliberation than something that's kind of like avalanche lands on you. I'll I'll give you the winter example since we're headed into the season. Mm -hmm. You know, why, why does everybody do body slope, right? Yeah, yeah. You start simple, you get comfortable, you understand what you're doing, you know where 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 your equipment is, and then you can go for the higher slopes. Right, right, right. I'm still on the greens, but yes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I understand the metaphor well enough to understand. I mean, if I ever get above anything above a green, I'm in a snow plow the entire time, all the way down. I I, I mean, accidentally, I was in Taos. And uh, I got off, what is the Blue Diamonds? I got off at the very, very top. I, I was just not paying attention. I went all the way to the top. And so I get to the top, and, and you know you know the bit, right? So I'm looking down, and I'm like, I, yeah, I'm going to die here. This is where I die. So I just got on the snowplow, and people are whizzing by me, you know, yelling at me, whatever. And I'm just going really super slow. It took me six hours to get <laughs> to get down the hill. <laughs> see that oh, yeah. that's ex- yeah that's that's exactly hey that exactly relates to what we were talking about you get all the way to the top and you look like there's no way in hell i'm making that journey right that no nope. that, that ju- we just explained some of the more intense transitions again for sap or oracle or for workday it is an intense we don't even think about it when we when we talk about it, we don't even think about how intense this is for the end user and what it, what it's changing in their lives uh and so i yeah, I love it. Um, last thing is, I saw you at HR Tech, and mm-hmm. I, we didn't get to spend a whole lot of time with you because I was worn out uh, from doing a lot of podcasting. But what were you? What was your goals at, at HR Tech? What were you trying to do there? Well, as always, it's fascinating to see how the HCM space continues to evolve. So fascinating to see all the AI and incredible new innovations that are coming uh, to make. Uh, the uh, workforce management, workforce environment, a better place. And with that, obviously for us, uh, where we see it's an opportunity to potentially accelerate the realization of all these awesome new innovations in the HCM space by helping the providers uh, deliver those faster. So we see that as an opportunity to see what's the best out there, what's the latest and the greatest, and how can we help to get that into customers' hands faster. Drops Mike, walks off stage. Rachel, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks, Will. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.